0: Hey, welcome to this Monday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. So happy to be back with you after a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I I had a great time with little baby Piper uh, and my beautiful wife. We did some hiking. In fact, we hiked up so high up into the mountains, uh, we found some snow. Yeah, we found some snow. And little baby Piper, she this past winter was far too small to be sledding and playing in the snow. And so for the first time in early August uh, 2020, uh, little baby Piper was able to play in the snow for the first time. And in fact, I at one point sat her in my lap and and slid down a little bunch of snow. She went sledding for the first time uh, just yesterday morning, uh, early August. Uh, so maybe there are silver linings in this coronavirus era. Maybe there are good memories to be formed and uh, happy, happy events to, uh, to take place with. Uh, today's episode is going to be a roller coaster. We are going to touch on so many uh, varied topics, some of them uh, very, very serious and tragic, and some of them uh, a little more lighthearted. As a matter of fact, we'll be discussing Mount Rushmore. And if you've heard uh, anything about what the president has said lately, you'll understand what you and I will be discussing. What is it exactly uh, that merits inclusion in <laughs> Mount Rushmore? And and in Donald Trump's three and a half years of serving as president, has he, uh, has he earned a slot on Mount Rushmore? Maybe right there next to Lincoln or something? We'll talk about that later on in the program. Additionally, this might blow your mind. Uh, it certainly blew mine when I first heard of this piece of legislation being introduced by Representative John Curtis, who will be a guest later in the program. If you are a millionaire, or more specifically, if you have uh, an annual income of $1 million plus, do you know that it's still possible should you lose that job to collect unemployment insurance payments? Yeah. Interesting, very, very interesting to me that that is the case. And according to Representative Curtis and others who are working on this effort, uh, it's not so unheard of. In fact, multiple thousands of uh, individuals receiving uh, an annual salary of over a million dollars who in this coronavirus era have lost that job. They have submitted applications for and received unemployment insurance money. Fascinating stuff. It's called the RICH Act. The RICH Act, Representative Curtis will be my guest later on. Also going to speak to Senator Romney. We'll be talking uh, with him as well about unemployment insurance and, and uh, this, this quartet of executive orders signed by the president over the weekend. Four of them dealing with the federal unemployment uh, payments. Remember the $600 came to an end. Uh, Senate and House leadership—they've been debating back and forth for a while. Uh, what to do in the future? Will that will that payment be reinstated? Uh, we'll find out uh, if President Trump has his way and if uh, legally his. Uh, executive order is to hold up there might be uh, a way for that to happen and if congressional leadership are able to land on some sort of agreement it may happen in that fashion we're going to talk about that plus the other executive orders by the president uh, with senator romney today as well as some of uh, the other things he's up to here in the state of utah now uh, for the heavier stuff in the next segment we'll be speaking to an attorney Just after uh, the break, in a moment, we'll be speaking with an attorney named J.C. Jensen. In fact, uh, Mr. Jensen has been a guest on this program before, in mid-May, on the occasion of a series of accusations leveled against his client, former University of Utah police officer uh, Darris, who, after uh, departing from the University of Utah, secured employment with Logan Police Department. And... When these allegations first came to light, primarily via uh, a report written in the Salt Lake Tribune, the chief of police of the University of Utah, Rodney Chapman, who we spoke to last week, he ordered there to be an independent investigation into the behavior not only, or the alleged behavior, I should say, not only of this officer, Darris, but also of other officers with whom he may have had contact with. Now, a uh, very quick summary, and uh, I don't want to belabor these details too much because they're heartbreaking, uh, and they all revolve around a young woman who has lost her life. Uh, life taken from her. Uh, of course, Lauren McCluskey. She sent to Officer Darris uh, photographs of herself that were uh, being used in an extortion effort against her. The allegations against Officer Darris is that he uh, displayed those inappropriately and uh, made inappropriate comments about those photos. Those allegations were addressed in a Department of Public Safety report. An investigation, investigation which has transpired over the past number of months. Last Thursday morning, the report was released, and then, during a conversation with uh, Chief Chapman here on this program, uh, he let me know that he would be uh, soon uh, reaching out and interacting with Logan Police Department, where Officer Darris had been working. Here's Officer, or here's Chief Chapman.
1: I'm moments away from calling the chief, and uh, we will be talking about. Uh... The, what that looks like um i have uh, nothing but the highest respect for the chief and um uh, we will cooperate as um as necessary
0: that was thursday and then on friday i received the following press release from logan city uh, chief of police gary jensen it writes officer miguel Derris's employment with the logan city police department has ended effective immediately Darris, a probationary employee, was released from employment after a thorough internal review of a recently completed Department of Public Safety investigation. The investigation concluded Darris mishandled sensitive evidence pertaining to the Lorne McCluskey extortion and subsequent homicide case which he was emplo- while he was employed with the University of Utah Police Department. The press release from Chief Jensen with Logan City Police Department continues the conclusion. The conclusions drawn in the DPS report are inconsistent with the high expectations and standards placed upon our officers by the community and our department. Our continuing efforts to hold sacred the public's trust and our duty to serve and protect has resulted in today's decision. Final line of the release says Logan City Police will not be making further comment. Well, as soon as we got that word, in the spirit of fairness of all those involved in this story, uh, Amy reached out to uh, the attorney representing Miguel Daris, uh, a gentleman named J.C. Jensen who will join us uh, in the segment after the break. I have a number of questions for Mr. Jensen. First and foremost, how do you react and what's next? Will there be uh, legal action taken? Uh, how is your client doing? And one detail which I failed to mention During the course of that Department of Public Safety investigation, which transpired between mid May and last Thursday, Officer Darris declined to participate. He wasn't interviewed uh, during the course of that investigation, and I'd like to know why. I'll ask his attorney that very question after the break. We'll be back on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry just before the break we talked about some of the uh, details leading up to the release of a department of public safety uh, report which uh, detailed uh, the the events at least in uh, their estimation after their independent investigation uh, revolving around the the behavior of uh, an Officer Darris, a former member of the University of Utah Police Department, uh, that investigation was kicked off as you well know uh, after some allegations were leveled against the officer and others uh, in a Salt Lake Tribune news article at the time we then spoke with an attorney for Officer Darris, and uh, that attorney joins me on the line again now, uh, J C. Jensen of the law firm Nelson and Jones, representing Officer Darris uh, Sir, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you
0: today, Lee? I'm all right. Thank you so much uh, for joining. When you and I spoke the, the first time in mid-May, uh, we had that conversation. Uh, I, I wanted all involved to have an opportunity to share their side of the story publicly. And it's uh, with that same desire that you and I are here again speaking today. At the time, uh, there were a number of accusations, as I mentioned, level against your client. Uh, that seemingly led to this DPS investigation. That investigation is now concluded. Uh, and, and during the time of that investigation, uh, Officer Darris was no longer with the University of Utah, but had secured new employment with the Logan Police Department, where Friday, uh, Logan PD announced the termination of Officer Darris. Now, I, I want to speak, I want to talk to you about the announcement uh, from Logan PD in just a moment. But first, uh, answer me this, how did Officer Darris react uh, when he received the, the DPS report?
1: Well, and we did the same thing that we ask everybody else to do. We read the report, we take a step back, and we, we try and read it from both sides. We, you know, we want to understand the perspective of those writing the report, as well as of those of us who may need to defend the report. Um, upon at first blush of the report, you know, we, we felt that the report um, curbed a lot of the concerns, that were raised as a result of that Salt Lake Tribune article, in fact, supported exactly what I argued back with you in May um, in undercutting the allegations made in that Salt Lake Tribune article.
0: Uh, did, did, officer, did you, have you had an opportunity to, to speak with the, about the report with Officer Darris? Does he, does he agree with the conclusions?
1: Yeah, I, I have had an uh, opportunity to speak with Officer Darris um, as, as far as everything... In the report, aside from one allegation, you know, we're pretty comfortable with what's been articulated by those witnesses who have been interviewed. You know, specifically in the report, it talks about Salt Lake Tribune article's allegation where Mr. Darris received a picture and messages for Lauren that he saved to his personal cell phone. Uh, The DPS report found that this investigation did not find any physical evidence to suggest that Officer Darris ever downloaded the pictures in question to his phone, that they were sent to his work email, as we previously argued. Also, there's no evidence that Officer Darris forwarded the images in question to anyone other than the detective involved and the records officer for the University of Utah. More importantly, it says that Officer Darris did not inappropriately save photos to his phone. The photos were emailed to his work address, which was only accessed by his phone. So, you know, upon that reading, that at the conclusion from the DC. De- De- DPS report specific to that allegation, yeah, we, we, we are happy with it. Um, the second <laughs> allegation made in the Salt Lake Tribune article was that Darius showed the photos to a male co-worker and bragged about getting to look at them whenever he wanted and that Darris boasted about having the photos. Now, in the DPS conclusion, or in the DPS report, it states that in December 2019 and February 2020, University of Utah PD conducted an IA Regarding that Officer Darris shared the photos with a specific officer, and the U determined that, quote, there is no evidence that any pictures were electronically transferred from Miguel Darris to the officer. Now, the DPS report on its own found that there is no evidence from this investigation to support that Officer Darris electronically transferred or shared any of the extortion photos with the other officer. And as to the boasting, the DPS report found that although two officers admit to making, quote, unprofessional or crass comments about the photos, those officers were not Mr. Darris. In fact, no physical evidence was discovered during the investigation of any communication between Officer Daris and the other officer where they were boasting or otherwise making disrespectful comments about Ms. McCluskey or about having the extortion photos.
0: In that portion of the DPS report uh, where many of the names, at least for at least in the report that was publicly released, many of the names are redacted. It's difficult to to get a sense of who is present for uh, for what. Can you tell me was Officer Darris present when uh, when and if those uh, those crass or inappropriate comments were made? Not saying that he made them himself, but was he present for them?
1: Well, now now you're getting to the elephant in the room, Lee. This is the only allegation, and this is a brand new allegation that came out of the DPS report. Um, The other allegations found in the Tribune article, again, they've been uncut. And only now do we come up with a new allegation that there was a meeting in the hallway of the police department. Right. Um, And this is sometime, at some point, on an unknown date, at an unknown time. And after an unknown briefing, that it was alleged that Officer Darris showed the images to three officers and stated, "quote something to the effect of I can look at these photos anytime he wanted to." End quote. Yet one of the officers says that he was nearby but did not denies ever seeing the images. That same officer does not cooperate. The alleged statement that Officer Darris supposedly made of something to the effect of, I can look at these photos whenever he wanted. In fact, that officer has no memory. In fact, one of the other officers has no memory of the group meeting ever even taking place or being there. Now, Officer Darris adamantly denies that any meeting in a hallway took place, that he disclosed any photos during a meeting in a hallway, that he made a statement of something to the effect of, I can look at these photos anytime I wanted to. In fact, I've been at the U of U Police Department. The hallways are, are one man wide. Mm-hmm. So to claim that four grown, fully uniformed men could huddle together in one of their hallways and stare at these photos is completely ridiculous.
0: Officer, go ahead.
1: You know, I, 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 and one of the most important things in this DPS DPS investigation for those that want to stay, take a step back and understand what's going on is there were a total of 37 witnesses involved. 37 people were questioned during this investigation, and only one, one witness out of 37, two years after Ms. Ms. McCluskey's murder and not being made as part of the prior two investigations, only now does one person say that there was a meeting in the hallway and Mr. Darris made the statement that he could look at the photos whenever he wanted.
0: Of those 37 witnesses who participated, Officer Darris was not one of them. Why the decision not to participate?
1: Well, now, you know, Officer Darris participated in the investigation conducted by his agency. They asked for an interview. He was placed under what is called Garrity, which compels an officer to tell the truth, and in the event they don't, they're subject to severe discipline with peace officers and standards and training. So he 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 complied with the Garrity interview conducted by his own agency. Okay. The DPS did reach out to my office. They asked about setting up an interview. We asked them for some some specific questions as far as relating to the interview they wanted to conduct, and we were not provided with those questions. We knew that Logan had conducted their investigation of Officer Darris. We knew that it was a record that was able to be obtained by the Department of Public Safety, and in fact the Department of Public Safety obtained that record as noted in their DPS report. It's frowned on very often for officers to give more than one statement, and there are a plethora of reasons that that I could go into. Sure. But rather than boring anybody with that, you know, it's our decision, it's our advice that any time an officer is interviewed that we limit that to one. Yeah. And, and we knew DPS could get a copy of that report, so he did cooperate with an investigation. We knew DPS could get a copy of it.
0: And they uh, did. Understood. Time is tight. I have one final question for you. The, the, the last, uh, the, the most recent chapter in this story, at least as it uh, relates to Officer Darris, is that Logan Police has made the decision to, to separate, citing uh, that, his, that there are conclusions drawn in the DPS report which were, quote, inconsistent with the high expectations and standards placed upon our officer. Uh, our officers. Has Logan PD elaborated on that uh, to to either you or Mr. Darris? And then also, what's next?
1: Uh, No, they haven't. And I wouldn't ask them to. We we do feel that Mr. Darris's separation from Logan was nothing more than a pressure campaign. Uh, You know, just, just as at the outset of the May release of the Tribune article, there was a lot of public pressure against him. The Logan's police chief stood by him, continued to have him work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we feel that this time with a second wave of allegations and the continued public pressure, that Mr. Darris, who is a probationary employee, and that Logan decided to separate. Now as a probationary employee, Mr. Darris, in fact any government worker who is a probationary employee does not have an expectation mm-hmm. in keeping their job or their rate of pay until after they complete probation. Either the employer or employee can separate for any reason and even no reason.
0: Right. What so, is next? So will action be taken on on, on the part of Officer Darris?
1: I'm sorry. What was that?
0: Is there a next step for for you as you represent Officer Darris? Is he will he be uh, seeking any lawsuits or anything?
1: Uh, that's not something that I can comment on at this time. I, we're you know, still at the outset uh, sure. of anything having to do with lawsuits. Um, aside from addressing the, the civil suits that have currently been lodged against the U, which involve Mr. Darris.
0: All righty. Uh, J.C. Jensen of the law firm Nelson & Jones representing Officer Darris, explaining his side of the story. Thank you, sir, for your time.
1: Yeah, Thank you for letting us have a voice.
0: Have a good Absolutely. Day. All right, quick break. Uh, sorry I'm so late for the news. We're going to uh, step aside, get some news. When we come back... We're going to look at the experience of the elderly in these times of pandemic. There's a fascinating, uh, position being held by a former professor at Vanderbilt University. What does it mean to be elderly in the midst of this pandemic? And specifically, what are the responsibilities? That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio.